So today, I'm going to talk about a, um, a prophecy of redemption. It's gonna, when I start out, it's going to seem a little bit um, misjointed. And by, by the grace of God, I'll be able to put it together at the very end. So we'll see how it works out. But I want to start out with an amazing part of the Christmas story. In Luke 1, verse 26, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. Let me stop right here a second. You know, I'm going to be reading out of different, different uh, versions of the Bible. In fact, I'm going to include the, the, the complete Jewish Bible, and uh, you'll be able to, to you'll be able to get a little Hebrew, get a little Hebrew in there. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth in a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. By the way, Mary's name was not really Mary. If you called her Mary, she wouldn't even know who you're talking to. Her real name was Miriam. Okay, that was her Hebrew name. She was uh, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a, a greeting this might be. That is humorous. <laughs> that is funny. Can you imagine? You're standing there. An angel pops up in front of you and tells you. The angel says, greetings. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. What do you say? Thank you, that's nice. <laughs> Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. So who gives a greeting like this? But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child again, birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, or in Hebrew, that would be Yeshua. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Can you imagine hearing this? How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I'm a virgin... The angel answered, the Holy Spirit, or the Ruach HaKodesh, will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the, Holy One, uh, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, who was said to be barren in her sixth month, um, in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be, uh, may it be, to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. So now she's left with this information from an angel that pops out of nowhere, gives her a story. Who's going to believe this story? She's got to go. She's got to go tell. She's got to tell Joseph. Hello. She's got to tell her family. Can you imagine? Ladies, can you imagine sitting your family down 
and say this, I'm a virgin, but I'm going to have a baby. What would your fathers think? Come on now. She had to tell her friends. I don't think she was real popular for a time being. But that's just the beginning of my message, and I'm going to add that in down the road. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for the reason for the season. I thank you for my friends that are here and that you've made us into a family, a wonderful family that encourages one another to serve God in good times and in bad times. Thank you for your presence here. In Jesus' name, amen. I've got a slide here. Some of you may have seen this before, but I think it's really funny. Take a look at this slide. You know, this is good, you know. My son the doctor, my son this, my son that, you know. Well, some of you got it. I can always tell when Mike Fantry gets it. Yeah. Okay, let's look at a prophecy that was written about 750 years before it came to pass. 750 years before it came to pass. I want to read this out of two different versions. Isaiah 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now I'm going to read this out of a paraphrased version of the Message Bible. It says, for a child has been born for us, for us. The gift of a son for us. He'll take over the running of the world. His names will be Amazing Counselor, Strong God, Eternal Father, Prince of Wholeness. His ruling authority will grow, and there will be no limits to the wholeness he brings. He'll rule from the historic David throne over uh, that promised kingdom. He'll put that kingdom on a firm footing and keep it going with fair dealing and uh, right living, beginning now and everlasting and lasting always. The zeal of God, of the angel of the angel armies, will do all this. Prophecy of our coming Messiah, the coming Christ. So Isaiah nine verse six to seven, it gives us actually five major facts about Christ. Number one, that Christ would be born a child. The Messiah would be born a child. Why a child? A child doesn't offend anybody. He was born a child. Number two, in time, Messiah will become the ruler of the world. In time. Number three, Messiah's character is revealed by what he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, or Prince of Wholeness. Number four, Messiah will be seated and reign from David's throne. And number five, all this concerning the Messiah will be accomplished by the zeal of the Lord Almighty, or you could say, Adonai Tzivayot, 
the Lord of hosts or the Lord Almighty who is, who is uh, the God of the angel armies. Now for this message, because this, this could be a whole series, for this message I want to just dig deeper into the first two of these facts about the Messiah, which, which are he was to be born a child and he would become ruler of the world. So those are the two uh, points I want to bring about for this message. <clears throat> Number one, the Messiah was to be born as a child. Two key words are what? Born and what? Child, right. Born and child are two key words. In Isaiah 7, verse 14, it says, Therefore, Adonai himself, that's the Lord himself, will give you people a sign. The young woman will become pregnant, or a virgin will become pregnant, bear a son, and name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So Messiah would be Emmanuel, God with us. This is a, this is a, powerful, a powerful prophetic word about the coming of Christ. His name, you know, it's debated, this, this young woman or this virgin People, the Hebrew word is Alma, and they say, well, that doesn't necessarily mean that she is a virgin. Well, let me tell you, it's throughout the Bible, that word is used to signify a virgin. But what kind of a sign would it be if just a young, a young gal gives birth to a child? This happens all the time. That's no sign. That's no miraculous sign. But if a virgin gives birth, that's a sign. Okay, And so that's the sign. She would give birth to a child. Not only a, 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 it would be a son, and she gave him, uh, his name would be God with us, Emmanuel, or Emmanuel. God with us. That's, that's huge. God with us. God with us. What is God not with us? What is God not with us? He's always with us. Especially if you come, he says, I'll never leave you. He says to his disciples, I'll never leave you, nor will I forsake you. So when I go on my traveling trips, don't pray that God would be with me. Because that's not a real smart prayer. Because he's always with me. <coughs> God is with us. So the question is, where would this miraculous sign take place? Where would a young virgin woman give birth to her son, who is called Emmanuel? And the answer is, in a small Jewish town called the House of Bread, Bethlehem, or Bethlehem. Micah 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, near Ephrath, so small among the clans of Yehuda. Out of you will come forth to me the future ruler of Israel, whose origins are far in the past, back in ancient times, or days of eternity. You think it's a coincidence that, that Jesus, who, was, who called himself the bread of life, came from the house of bread? Think about that. Bethlehem means house of bread. So we have the bread of life coming from the house of bread. The Apostle John uh, began his epistle writing about, about uh, Christ's miraculous entrance into the world. This is what an event. And he said in, in John 1, verse 1, 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was God. The Word was God. Say that with me. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Through Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. I'll tell you, the darkness still doesn't understand it. So much of the world still doesn't understand who Jesus is. He was not just a good man. He was not just a prophet. This was God. This was God manifest in the flesh. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. That's John the Baptist, by the way. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Verse 10. He, he was in the world, and, through the, and, the, and uh, through the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. That's talking about the nation of Israel. Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It's a right to become a child of God. We're not all, see, everybody in the, in, in the world is not a child of God. Only those people who, are, who have received Yeshua, have received Jesus, become a child of God. Children born of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So the miracle that took place in Bethlehem was that from a young virgin woman, God was made visible in human form as a baby. God was manifest in the flesh. That was prophesied. And it happened. And you would think everybody would believe it. But they didn't. They didn't. Number two. This child who was born of a virgin in the town of Bethlehem would someday become a ruler, would become the ruler of the world. Would you agree with me that it's foolish to blame Governor Scott Walker for the governing policies of Illinois? Would you agree with me? Why? Because the governor of Wisconsin has no authority in Illinois. Are you with me? In the same way, today in our world, there are two main kingdoms. There's the kingdom of God, governed by Christ. And there's the kingdom of the rest of the world, governed by Satan. And the sad thing is, those within the kingdom of Satan have no idea how blind to spiritual truth they really are. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. It's amazing how many people think they're going to heaven. You ask, why are you going to heaven? I give money to my church. 
that doesn't get you into heaven. It's a good thing, but it doesn't get you heaven. You know? A lot of people say, well, I believe in Jesus. Believing in Jesus doesn't even get you in heaven. The devil and demons believe in Jesus. They know he's real. They even know he's the son of God. But that's not, you're not going to find the devil in heaven. Because that person, you got to be born again. You got to receive. And he's, he's got to take um, preeminence in your life. You've got to become born again to be a child of God. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, for the, for the God of this world has blinded the unbelievers' minds that they should not discern the truth, preventing them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, the Messiah, who is the image and likeness of God. They can't see it. They just can't see it. They have been blinded by the God of this world. Who is the God of this world? It's, it's Satan. I'll talk more about this in a little, boat after, a little bit after I turn the boat. But you, you, you witness to people how Jesus is the light of the world. He's the only way. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And they go, okay. Well, now what? Nothing. They just go on with their life. They just don't get it. It's like telling a blind person, take a look at this. Do you see what it says? He feels it. Yeah, there's a book there. You see what it says? I, I, he says yes, but really he can't read it. He, he doesn't know what's there. In fact, he's kind of believed something differently because that's what's put in his mind. So now I'm going to turn the boat just a wee bit. In Luke 4, verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in, in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. So if you worship me, it will be yours. Jesus had answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, uh, he will command his angels concerning you, uh, concerning you to guard you carefully and will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Notice the devil quotes scripture. Jesus had answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left them until an opportune time. So I want you to notice something here. I want you to notice that, that Jesus did not argue with Satan when Satan boasted that he would give him authority over the kingdoms of the world. That is, if he would bow down and worship him. There was no argument. 
Jesus knew that Satan had authority over the nations. But he also knew that in time, he would replace Satan as the ruler of this world. The fact of the matter is, Satan knows his time is soon coming to an end, and he's not going to give up without a fight. And he's fighting like crazy. <clears throat> he doesn't want people. He, does, he doesn't want you to witness to your family and friends. No. He wants you to give up. After all, you've told him once, twice, three times. He wants you to give up. Let them stay in Satan's kingdom. Stay there. It's amazing how many people on a, on a Sunday morning go to church. They go to church, especially in, in, in our area. People are church-going people. They go to church. But it's amazing how few people are really born again. Had a conversion experience. How has your life changed since you received Christ in your life? Well, it really hasn't changed. Well, if it hasn't really changed, maybe you should probably consider receiving Christ because someone as big as Christ comes and lives inside of you and you become the temple. I'm telling you, there's a whole lot of furniture that's moved around. I can tell you in my life, there was a lot of furniture that was moved around and thrown out. I wish more would get thrown out, but it's lingering. Your life's going to change when God Almighty comes and lives with, within you. When the Spirit of God comes, at the, the, the third part of the Holy Trinity comes and lives within you. Don't tell me your life's not going to change some. It's going to change. One of the biggest changes for me was that the name Jesus became holy. I say Jesus a whole lot before I was saved. But I didn't use it as, a, as something of, of reverence, something of holiness. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm offended when people are using the name Jesus when they something goes wrong. All of a sudden, I had a desire to read the Bible. All of a sudden, I have a desire to hang around with these people that call themselves Christians. A desire. I had a desire on a Sunday morning to go to church. Who goes to church on a Sunday morning when there's a football game on? Christians. I had a desire for it. All of a sudden, I have a desire to pray. These are natural changes. I had other changes also in my life. Some are real heavy changes. You want to know what they are? Not telling you. <laughs> Personal. The fact of the matter is, Satan knows his time is soon coming to an end, and he's not going to give up without a fight. This is one of the reasons why there's so much chaos in Israel. You know, the landing strip for the Lord is not going to be Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The landing strip for the Lord is going to be Israel. Is Israel. And before, before Jesus comes back, there has to be prophecy fulfilled. 
One is that the Jews are going to have to come back to the land. Well, that's already happened. Next is going to be, there's going to be a time where all, all Israel will be saved. I just came back from Israel. I'm telling you, people in Israel are more open to the gospel than people in Milwaukee. You know, I'm, I'm telling you, they're more open. My wife and I were there in 1992, and at that time there was only just a two or three congregations, Messianic Jewish congregations, just two or three. Today there are over 150. They're all advertising, they're, not, they're all above ground, and they're all doing quite well. And they're raising up leaders to go out. You know, this is interesting, but in Israel, you find a lot of Filipinos. Yeah. In fact, I spoke um, at a Filipino church in Jerusalem. Actually, I was just sharing a, a, short, a short testimony. Like, What are the Filipinos doing there? Well, in Israel... When you get when you get old, they don't still put you in an old in an old home. They you can have uh, someone come and live in your home. They come and live in your home to take care of you. And caretakers they get them they they hire a lot of Filipinos are very good caretakers, and they get paid by Filipino standards a lot of money. So you have all these Filipinos. And they're out spreading the gospel. They're spreading the gospel. It's a wonderful thing to behold. Revelation 12, 12, second part of it says, But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows that his time is short. He knows his time is short. In the book of the Revelation, a major topic is Satan's attempt to destroy not only the entire world, but especially those who are governed by Jesus. But when Jesus returns, listen to what the angels are going to be proclaiming. In Revelation 11, verse 15. The seventh angel sounded his shofar, or trumpet. And there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has, come, has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Messiah, and he will rule forever and ever. Today Satan does not want those within the kingdom, those being governed by him, to understand that he has been deceiving them, and he's keeping them in bondage. He doesn't want them to know He's the one responsible for our messed up world. Instead, he wants to put the blame on Jesus. It's amazing how people are coming against Christians now. Um, I was just saw on the news where this one football player, he won't Let's see, he stays seated for our um, national anthem. But if a, a coach joins his team to kneel in prayer, 
he gets criticized big time, ostracized. We're messed up. What's happening, in, in, what's happening not only in America, but the world is things that are, th things that are, are right, are begin people are seeing as wrong. And because the left is moving so far to the left, it's making us look so far to the right, but we're not so far to the right. It's just that the left is gone, wacko. <coughs> in Tel Aviv, I spent some time in Tel Aviv, you wouldn't believe homosexuality. It's rampant. I'm walking down the street and there's a couple of guys holding. It's, it's crazy. Not only here, but I was in Mexico City. Mexico City is the same way in the business district. Um, it's, it's called Zona Rosa. That particular area, it's because of the homosexuality, it's driving away the tourists. And they, and, and in the evening, they have, they have um, uh, restaurants and bars that they take out a certain color flag with all, all, with all the rainbow on it, you know, all these different colors, and they put them out. And uh, all the guys are partying. It's crazy. When I was a kid, this stuff was it was around, but it was in the closet. Today, it's not only out of the closet; it's being flaunted, and they're trying to change the way I think. They're trying to make me feel like I'm not normal. I am normal. <clears throat> God help them. God save them. So here's the good news for today. Jesus offers to rescue those who realize they're living in the wrong kingdom. To those who know they're sinners and want to be forgiven, Jesus offers to bring that person into the, his kingdom, the kingdom of light. He offers to bring them into light where you, experience, where, where you experience redemption, forgiveness, and eternal life. And a place to live for all eternity where Jesus is. To the believers of Colossae, Paul reminded them of their rescue. In Colossians 1, verse 13, he wrote, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So when we give our lives to Christ, we go from one kingdom into another kingdom. And the people that have been rescued and are living in the kingdom of light were to be different. We're to be peculiar in a way. We shouldn't be acting and talking and doing the things that a lot of a lot of the things that the people in darkness are doing. There should be such a difference. Such a difference that people would recognize there is a difference. And they don't realize, they say, well, what, what's so different about it? They don't realize, well, I, I, you know, spiritually I'm not in the kingdom of darkness anymore. I've now been translated in the kingdom of, of light where, where Jesus is the CEO of my life. It should be that way. 
We need to watch the way we walk and talk, the things we do. That people will glorify our God because of what they see in us. So the question is this. Have you allowed Jesus to rescue you from the dominion of darkness? It's either yes or no. Have you been rescued? If you're not sure, if you're not sure which kingdom you're living in, I've got a suggestion for you. This could be a good, great day for you. At the end of the service, the elders will be up front, and any one of them will pray with you and show you how to get from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Let's all stand together. <coughs> we serve a good God who loves us, who manifests himself in the flesh, became a human to identify with us, to bring us salvation. He had to die on the cross. He had to become the Lamb of God who takes away sin. He had to be. He had to fulfill the prophecy of the scriptures. He loves sinners so much that he died for them. I want you to know, once you come into the kingdom of, of light, he doesn't love you more. He doesn't love you more. You're his child now. But he's loved you when you're in the when you were in the kingdom of darkness. He's loved you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the meeting of this season. Where we commemorate the fact that you manifest yourself in the flesh, in a small town called Bethlehem. You came forth from a young Jewish woman named Mary. It was a miracle. Then again, Lord, anything you do is a miracle. God, we thank you for having the miracle-working God be the Lord of our life. We thank you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace, peace in your heart, knowing that you serve the Prince of Peace. In Jesus' name. We all said amen. amen. God bless you. I love you a lot.